Well, good evening. Good, thank you for saying good. <laughs> We've only got a, a skeleton crew here tonight in the sanctuary, so uh, glad to have you with us here in person. Glad to have you online with us there, whether you're on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, any of those different plat platforms. Uh, be sure to heart, to like, to share uh, each one of those. Uh, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, click the notification bell, that way you'll get the live notifications, uh, and then also on Twitter, retweet us there. Uh, all those things help with those algorithms uh, just to get our service out uh, to more people uh, than what is gathered here in person uh, or even online. So I uh, encourage you to take the time to do that if you have the capability to there, if you're online. Uh, but also want to welcome those who are on our phone live streaming. Uh, if you need uh, that number, uh, please see me after church or call the church office. We'll be glad to give that to you. If you do have access to the church website, uh, you can go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can download the worship bulletin as well as the children's worship bulletins. But it's a little bit different because we're having some issues uh, with our website. We've not gotten that figured out yet. Uh, and so uh, we'll be working on that still this week. So hopefully we'll get that up for Sunday. Uh, but there, if you follow all the way down to the bottom of the page, you'll find some small links down there, not our normal links, uh, but the small links down at the very, very bottom uh, that you can click on to download the worship bulletin, the children's worship bulletins, as well as the prayer list. So that is also there, but it's a small link down at the very bottom. The ones that are up at the top are from the last few weeks. So hopefully we can get that situated uh, before Sunday so you'll have access to that. If you're here in person, I uh, want to encourage you to pick up one of the surveys uh, that the personnel committee is asking you to fill out. Those are on the stage here to my right and to my left. Be sure to pick up one of those. You can place it in an offering plate. You can put it on the box out for our, outside of uh, Miss Amy's uh, office there, and we'll get those tabulated and give those to uh, the, the personnel committee. And this, I'll let you read that. It's self-explanatory there. But we do want to encourage you to do that over the next couple of weeks uh, with that. Uh, as far as any other things, I think that's it. Uh, we just, in case you're watching and you're one of our choir members, we don't have choir practice uh, tonight. So just to remind you uh, about that too, if you're watching online as one of our, our choir members. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. So since you have books, turn to 422. And let's sing one. I, I, I don't know when I last sang this one. It's been a long time. And most people are familiar with the chorus more than they are with the, word, the verses. But let's sing Surely Goodness and Mercy, 422. Miss Pat. Some valley 
shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I remember the little, uh, I forget what they call that, but it's a little piece in there, the little refrain that goes with that. That's the way we used to sing it back in the day. <laughs> and, so, and that's hard to say that that's back in the day for me now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes, our hymnals don't have that in it uh, anymore there. So um, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> it's hard to believe that. You know, when people say, you know, what was it like 20 years ago, you know, and you think about 20 years ago, that was early 2000s. You know, we tend to think 20 years ago, the 1980s or the 1990s, but that's, that's 30 and 40 years ago now. So <laughs> that'll blow your mind. Well, hopefully, if you're at home, you had the opportunity to get to our church website to download there the prayer list at the very bottom. Uh, if you forgot where that's at, it's at highlandbaptistchurch.com under the info tab. Scroll all the way, all the way down uh, till you come till to uh, September the 6th uh, prayer list there, and you can get that downloaded. You can keep a digital copy there. You can print it off however you want to uh, look at that. Uh, if you're here in person, they're on the ends of the pew if you didn't get one uh, when you came in at the front here. All right, so we are going to go through our whole prayer list tonight because we have not done that uh, in a while. We also did not have prayer meeting last week, and so I just want to get some updates if you have any. So if you are at home, uh, I'm going to try to scoot over here while you're uh, there at home on your, uh, let me get over here, social to Facebook. If you need to give us a prayer request, that's where we want to encourage you uh, to give us the prayer request at. Um, that's where we'll be looking at uh, the live uh, to get that prayer request from. So uh, be sure to take the time to, to do that uh, if you need to give us a prayer request there online. If you have an update uh, of someone, I want to encourage you to take the time uh, to do that also. Let me make sure I have my volume off here. I do. And as I look, I don't see any comments right now. But if, if you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Twitter, we won't see those comments live. But we will see them uh, if you leave them. Uh, but we will uh, be sure to uh, see the live on Facebook to give you any updates. So as we go through the list, we'll start with our Highland Baptist Church family, which is on the left-hand side of your prayer list. Uh, SW and Carolyn Stone, uh, they continue to have uh, the same issues that they've had before um, and, and have had a little bit of... Uh, difficulties there in, in the last month, month and a half or so, uh, so but just continue to keep them in prayer. Uh, anybody have an update on them? All right. Vicki Boswell. We have Mike Durham. And that's Patricia Durham's husband. Arthur Hargrove. Um, I think I spoke to Ron who had stopped by there last week and spoke uh, to Brother Arthur and he seems to be in pretty good spirits. So uh, he, he still has difficulties hearing, so he usually doesn't join us online uh, on the phone streaming anymore. Uh, but Miss Beverly Daniels, she continues to have her medical issues, but keep her in your prayers. Miss Rosalie Moore, uh, I talked with Stuart a few weeks ago. It's been, been probably three weeks now, or three weeks coming up this Sunday, uh, and he said that. Uh, she is doing as good as can be, and uh, she'll be turning 101 
in November. And so what a milestone uh, she's already reached. And if she reaches there, uh, there'll be 101. And so keep her in your prayers. Miss Brenda Gilbert, uh, who's on the prayer list there, she's had some back issues, but she had fell a few weeks ago uh, and broke her arm. And so we want to keep, keep her in prayer as that continues to heal. Uh, that's probably going to be about a six week uh, deal with that and keeping that uh, with its cast and brace there. So keep her in your prayer. Uh, Myra Watson, so you just interrupt me anytime if you have any updates as we go through these. Cindy Jordan. Bernice Cox. Yeah, Miss Bernice is doing as well as can. Uh, she has Alzheimer's, and so uh, just continue to keep her in your prayers and her family uh, with that. Miss um, Donna Agcock, and I know we have some update there. Okay, and so I'll just give you the update right now about Donna. When we get to the others, I'll give you that update that she just gave me also on those others. Uh, but we have Donna Agcock, who has breast cancer. She still has some more treatments, but seems to be doing well, not having any adverse reactions uh, to her treatment. So we praise the Lord for that. Continue to keep her in prayer, because as we're going to get over to the other side of the list, she has two of her sisters uh, who are in need of prayer uh, also. Uh, Cindy Ingram. Betsy Farrell. I know Betsy is probably watching us online. She most of the time does at home, and so uh, welcome, Miss Betsy. I do want to continue to remember David Hess, uh, as he has still got a couple of a few more treatments here, uh, and then I believe it's at the end of October. Okay. Okay. So the latest update: they are going to try to push his surgery uh, till November. Um, and so that way with school and timing there will work out better for him in that situation. So do continue to remember David Hess uh, with his treatments. That will all be leading up to that surgery in mid-November. And then remember Jim Hess, his dad, uh, as he's on the road quite a bit and isn't always able to be there with David. So keep, keep them both in your prayers. Uh, Brother George Duncan. Uh, Miss Leona Ross. We know she got out of the hospital. I spoke with Rosie a, few, a couple of weeks ago about her, and she's uh, doing much better. Uh, we'll probably uh, be able to remove her off of the prayer list for next week. So uh, I'll just touch base with Rosie to make sure. But uh, the last word she said, she's doing really well. Uh, Mark Raymond uh, he continues to have some, some uh, back issues and, and other issues that he had with the healing of his foot. So continue to keep him in your prayers. Uh, Miss Carolyn Waller, uh, same things with her back also, uh, and some other issues that she has. And then there's Brian Tate. We want to remember Brian Tate on our prayer list. And then Phil Henderson had his knee uh, replacement. It wasn't a full one, it was a partial. Uh, so that was good uh, when they got in there. Uh, but he was here this past Sunday, had his brace on and everything. So that's just going to be some time for recovery there. So we want to uplift uh, Phil in our prayers. And then Sandra Wells is out of the hospital. They released her on Sunday. I uh, don't know yet anything about when uh, her surgery is going to be rescheduled for, for her kidney stones. Uh, but just want to keep her in your prayers, too, that she continues to progress in that right direction with that. Any others that we need to add to the Highland Baptist family? Okay, so remember Miss Jewel uh, Farrell? Um, let me write that out here, spell it correctly. Jewel Farrell, uh, she has a, had a stress test today, has another test coming up Friday, uh, has some issues there that they're trying to figure out what's going on, so we do want to keep her in prayer. 
anybody else that's one of our Highland Baptist Church family. All right, so as you take a look at the friends and family side then, uh, we have Mike Kowser, uh, who has melanoma. Uh, Katie Jo Bailey, I did not look up on her uh, Caring Bridge site to see her latest updates, but I, I do remember as we shared about a month ago uh, that she is having to get some of her treatment, some of her care uh, in Nashville now uh, because they didn't have uh, the resources she needed there at, um, at Memphis. And so wanna keep her in your prayers. Uh, Sarah Jernigan, uh, this is Sherry Jernigan's sister. She is still in, in her coma uh, down in Charlotte, so we want to keep her in your prayers. Uh, Sherry was one of our former CDC teachers. Uh, also, uh, Amanda Harris uh, with breast cancer. This is Mark Smith's niece. Uh, Don Smith, uh, who is in hospice, Mark Smith's father. Uh, he continues to, to decline there, and the kids are, are taking care there, and so they kind of rotate out. Uh, Mark goes over there some, so keep Don in your prayers. Uh, Greg Renfro, uh, and I need to check with Bell uh, Wrighton on him to see how he is doing. Uh, that's a cousin of Bell Wrighton who was waiting on a kidney transplant, and that's been for some time. Uh, Hoyt Farrell, I uh, want to keep him in your prayers. That's Brother Bobby's uh, brother. Uh, he is over in Manchester and uh, seems to be acclimating fairly well there, uh, but just keep him in your prayers. Uh, Buddy Saunders, I uh, need to check with Charles also to see how he is doing. I've not heard uh, that that's his brother, uh, Brother Charles Saunders' brother, and so we want to keep him in your prayers. The people of Ukraine, uh, Mamie Thompson, uh, and this is Amy Raymond's uh, mother. Uh, she's in her own apartment now, but we, she's not there on an assisted living or nursing home list, uh, but she's in her own apartment now, and so we want to keep her uh, in our prayers as she's not in that facility uh, right now. And then also remember Tracy Strobe, uh, who has dialysis all the time. Vicki Boswell had asked us to place her on the list. Uh, Ryan Boyd, uh, who has cancer. Uh, Rhonda Morris, I saw her today. She stopped by to pick up her grandson from CDC, and she seems to be doing fairly well after all of her cancer treatments and stuff. She does still have some pain uh, that she's trying to manage with all of that, so keep her in prayer uh, for that. We also have our Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada uh, mission partnership. So one through our through our association. Um, last year, when I went on the mission trip, uh, I believe we had somewhere around maybe at the most about 30 kids at our our block party uh, and and uh, backyard Bible club kind of kids camp that we did throughout the week. Uh, this year, they were blown away. They had about 150. And so uh, they were inundated with tons of kids. So just one year to the next and being able to reach out. So be in prayer for that ministry as the work that went on this summer uh, still continues on with the local churches there and the church plants that are there. Uh, so we want to uplift uh, the Calgary Mission Partnership there. Uh, Tish Craig Ray, who has lymphoma and had started chemo. Uh, this is a request from Matt Kohler, uh, who's our youth minister. Uh, Randy Tatum, who is Ken Tatum's brother, I spoke to Ken Sunday, and he said that he is still declining. They had not talked with him in about two weeks, he said, uh, but he couldn't imagine that he was doing better uh, because he's progressively going to continue to get worse uh, each week. So we want to remember Randy Tatum and Ken and his family. And then also Lisa Pitts, who is Linda Smith's sister with her medical issues. Katie Pugh. Uh, who has lymphoma in the hospital for a procedure and Ella Thames. I don't know if she's watching online, but if she could give us an update there on Katie. Um, Herb Taylor, uh, who has cancer. This is a request from Mark Smith. Uh, Melissa Shuren, uh, she's one of our substitute teachers for the CDC. Uh, she's had some back issues, uh, and, and she used to work with the CDC years ago too, but she's back now as a substitute, and so keep her in your prayers. Uh, she had asked if we would put her on our prayer list. And then Tammy Sparkman, uh, who is the granddaughter of Leona Ross, who has bone cancer. We want to keep her in prayer. Uh, Debbie Pancratis, um, I guess that's how you say that, and her family uh, with cancer. This is a request from uh, Lauren Lee, so we want to remember that one in prayer. And then we have Bill Hargrove, who is Ann Smith's father. Uh, he has improved uh, and is doing much better, so we will probably remove him uh, from the list uh, for next week, too. And then Matthew Ratcliffe, this is another one that Ella has shared with us, Ella Thames has. He had had a car accident 
think it was last November, uh, he's recovered tremendously, uh, but still has a long ways to go uh, in doing rehab. He's back at home now doing rehab, and, is, and from everything I've seen on social media, seems like he's doing uh, pretty good with that, but do want to continue to remember him in prayer. Uh, Oliver Nagy? Okay, so Oliver's blood work is staying where it needs to be, and we just praise the Lord for that, and that's a, that's a good answer and praise report there. And then Jake Campbell? He, is, he still has some issues getting around, but he's in rehab and still staying on social, but he's, he's got some issues mobility-wise that we're not seeing any progress with. Okay, so Jake still has some uh, mobility issues maybe long-term, maybe short-term, they're not sure of yet, uh, but he is still in rehab, so want to keep him uh, in your prayers. And then Laura Hendricks, uh, who is the daughter of Becky Moffitt, uh, she had did well with her surgery, but she's still recovering, so we'll keep her on at least another week here. And then Yvonne Ortiz, Brian Tate had asked us to place her on the prayer list. Christine Cranford, uh, who has skin cancer, and this was from Patricia Durham. This is her mother. And so want to keep her in your prayer that her skin cancer is back. And then we mentioned this earlier uh, with um, uh, Donna Adcock, uh, her two sisters uh, that we have on the prayer list, Janie Town, uh, who had a stroke. She is going to be moving to the nursing home next week and is improving and is doing better. So we praise the Lord for that. And then you'll notice at the very bottom of the list, her other sister, Terry Parrish, uh, had broken her hip. She is at home recovering, and so just continue to keep uh, her in your prayer uh, with all of that going on also. And then Craig Templeton, uh, the, Jimmy. Okay. And so Craig Templeton uh, had his post-op today, has lost a lot of weight, but uh, seems to be uh, slowly, and it's going to take some time for him to continue to improve. And then also Charles Blevins that we've added to the prayer list. Any others we need to add at that point? All right, and then we also have the nursing home hospital list, assisted living list there, uh, which is uh, Mary Campbell, who is at NHC Tullahoma, Peggy Eggleston, who is at Life Care of Tullahoma, Miss Susie Barton, uh, who's at Morning Point. She has joined us for our prime timers last time. Maybe she'll be able to do that this coming uh, to a week from yesterday. Uh, we'll be having our prime timers. And so uh, Miss Birdie Davis also was able to be with us, and she's at Brookdale and seems to be settling in there fairly well. Miss Janet Carter is over at MacArthur Manor, and uh, as well as Miss Janet could be doing, she's doing. And so we, we praise the Lord for that. But then also Floyd and Sue Prince. Floyd had been at NHC with some rehab. Things weren't working out there. The family wasn't really pleased with things there. And so they have moved him back to Morning Point uh, there with his wife, Sue. And so we want to keep them in your prayer. And this is Myra uh, Patton's uh, mom and dad. jotting some notes down. So this is Cindy Myers that we're adding to the friends and family side there. Uh, she's having some treatments this week and next week, and then they'll be doing, some, doing a scan to follow up to see uh, the progression there of her cancer. So. So she had dangerously high what? Potassium. Okay. Just jot notes down to help myself also to remember some of these things. Uh, so Peggy Eggleston, who we have on the nursing home assisted living list there, uh, who is at Tullahoma, she was life-flighted to Vanderbilt earlier this week uh, and has had had dangerously high potassium, uh, but the report is that she's doing better uh, today. So keep her uh, in your prayers. Anybody else we need to add to the list? As I look on Facebook, I don't see any comments there either. 
checking, hey, Ben, will you be up there tonight? Okay, all right, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I was like, do I need to run and go get my laptop here? Okay, so let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer uh, for these individuals uh, who are on our prayer list, uh, as well as those that we've added uh, even tonight. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for who you are and for the many blessings that you have given to us. And we thank you, Lord, for life itself. We thank you for uh, just your protection over us. We thank you for providing for all of our needs. And Lord, you have brought us here tonight to remember and to, to recognize individuals that uh, have some difficulties going on. Most of these are physical issues. Uh, that these individuals are facing, some uh, life-threatening, some long-term illnesses, uh, some terminal illnesses. And Lord, you know each person and their situation that they're going through. You are a capable and an almighty God, and we know that you are able uh, to do whatever needs to be done in these lives, Lord, to bring glory to your name and to bring good into these people's lives. So we want to uplift each and every one of these uh, people to you tonight. We know in order to do that, Lord, uh, that uh, we cannot be harboring any sin in our hearts or in our lives that we've not dealt with, that we've not confessed before you because you've told us in your word that if we regard iniquity, if we hold on to sin in our hearts, you will not hear from heaven. And so, Father, we first want to come and, and just confess our sin before you to acknowledge, Lord, we have not been what we should be. We have not thought the things we should think. Uh, we've not done the things we should done. We've not said things we should say in sharing the good news of the gospel and being a witness to the world around us uh, in many ways. And then, Lord, there have been maybe times in our lives where we've uh, committed sin and doing things that you've told us not to do. And so, Father, I pray as we come before you tonight, reveal any sin in our hearts that we need to deal with, that we might confess it before you. And Lord, we pray that as we confess our sins before you, may you forgive us and cleanse us of all of our sin. Wash us as white as snow. Lord, set us on the path of righteousness to live for you, uh, to follow you in our walk with you each and every day, to draw closer to you than ever before the day before. We know we're not perfect, Lord. We know we still are going to stumble in sin. But help us, Lord, to, to continue progressing forward even when we fall backwards, Lord, that we would immediately deal with the sin in our hearts and our lives and confess those things before you. And so, Father, as we uh, deal with that sin, as you brought it before us, as we've confessed it, Lord, we've asked that you cast it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore, cast into the depths of the sea. And, Father, we just pray that you will hear our prayers tonight. Lord, we want to uplift each and every one of these individuals. We've mentioned every person's name tonight. Uh, and we just ask God for your healing touch to be upon them. You are the great physician, and we just ask, Lord, for you to bring healing to their bodies uh, and to their souls. We know that, Lord, along with those physical needs are many other needs. There may be financial needs with doctor bills and, and hospital bills and such. And, and so, Father, we pray that you'll provide for those individuals, that you'll help them to see uh, the ways that they the, to make wise decisions with things and and. and with the financial issues there. And Lord, I pray that you'll uh, just bless them in a great and mighty way uh, in that. Lord, there may be emotional needs that are there that they're just struggling with how to deal with all that they're going through. And Lord, I pray that you'll make yourself known to them and they'll find peace in the presence of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and their lives. So Lord, I pray that if there are any of these individuals who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would use this as an opportunity to bring them, Lord, to that place where there's nowhere else for them to turn but to you. Lord, that they would trust in Jesus uh, as their Lord and their Savior, and that you would have your hand upon them, uh, Lord, to, to lead them and guide them each and every day. May they just call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. I trust in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins and to help me to live for you all the days of my life. And Lord, I pray if there those individuals have prayed a prayer like that in their hearts with all sincerity, Lord, I pray that they would know that your word has told us that if we call upon the name of the Lord, if we call you Lord, if we surrender to you as Lord uh, over our lives, the Bible says we are saved. And so, Father, I pray that they will 
share that news with others. Uh, Lord, if they are able, I pray that they would come to be baptized, uh, to give that outward presentation of what has happened uh, in their hearts. And Lord, we just pray your blessings upon uh, them in that way. Lord, we pray for uh, many other needs that are here uh, too in people's lives, uh, whether it's financial, emotional, maybe there's family needs that are going on here too. We know there are caregivers who are taking care of many of these people. There are doctors and nurses and, and surgeons uh, who are caring for these individuals. And so we want to uplift those individuals too, whether it's family members who are caregiving or, or whether it's a, a service that's coming in. Lord, I pray that uh, you will use those individuals uh, and to be a blessing to that person that they're serving and ministering to. Uh, Lord, that you will just uh, use them especially uh, to be an encouragement to those individuals, to point them to faith in Christ. Uh, but Father, we pray that your blessings will be upon each one of them for their faithfulness in serving uh, these individuals and taking care of them. Be with doctors and nurses and give them wisdom and discernment as they are caring for these individuals to know the right care uh, that needs to be taken care of. But we know that you are the great physician and so we place them into your hands. Lord, we ultimately just pray for your will to be done in all of these situations. Uh, Lord, you may decide uh, to bring healing to some of these uh, miraculously, uh, that they don't have that issue anymore. There may be others, Lord, that you're going to walk with them uh, through this valley that they're going through, that it might be a witness and testimony to the world around them. So, Lord, help them to be faithful and to trust you and to lean upon you uh, as they go through those times even more. And, and for those that you bring healing to, Lord, I pray that they will testify also of the great and mighty things that you've done. And we thank you for the praise reports that we've heard tonight of individuals who are improving, uh, continuing continuing on that road. And so, Father, we pray that uh, you will just give them the strength to keep pressing forward one day at a time. And Lord, as we come to finally close out the book of Nahum tonight, I pray, God, that you will speak to us through your word. I pray that it will be powerful, uh, Lord, that it will be alive for us, and that we will see the relevancy of the application for Nahum to our lives where we are today, in our world today. So bless your word tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Nahum. If you want to know where Nahum is, and you can find the Gospels. You find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, find Matthew, and you're just going to go back a few books. It's a real tiny book. Uh, it's right before another book that's called Habakkuk, uh, and then Zephaniah is right after that. Micah is on the other side of it, uh, and so you'll find it there. Uh, you can also open your Bible to the middle, uh, to Psalms, and then maybe go about a quarter of an inch or so and you should be pretty close depending on your side of your Bible <laughs> uh, you should be pretty close also uh, to it so the book of Nahum and you may find it there in your index too we're going to be looking at chapter 3 which is the final chapter here of the book of Nahum we've mentioned this uh, many times as we've gone through uh, the book of Nahum that uh, Nahum is a prophet he is what we refer to in the Old Testament as a minor prophet, his book is, his letter is. He's not minor in his message. Uh, we've mentioned this before. Uh, there are other prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, Jeremiah, uh, and we call those major prophets. They're not major in that they're any better than Nahum or Micah uh, or any of these other smaller books. That's only, the only reason we call them major versus minor is because uh, they're smaller. Uh, they're smaller books. Uh, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, uh, those uh, lamentations, those books are longer, so that's why we call them major uh, prophets. So Nahum is a minor prophet. He's already spoken in chapter 1 about God himself and who God is uh, and uh, in, in giving us a theology, if you will, of God, an understanding of God. He's talked in chapter 2, uh, giving us a military picture here of the judgment uh, that is going to come upon uh, the enemies of the Jewish people, which Nahum is focused on speaking to Nineveh. Uh, if you read in your Old Testament, you'll remember there was another man. We all know the story, or have at least heard the story. Even if you don't go to church, you've heard of the story of Jonah, uh, who was in the belly of the great fish. Uh, Jonah was a prophet who also went to the city of Nineveh about a hundred years before Nahum's letter and his prophecy is being given. And so uh, 
at that time when Jonah went, Jonah didn't want to go. That's why he wound up in the belly of the fish. And then eventually he relents and he, he repents, turns uh, to the Lord and says, I'll go, I'll do whatever you want, whatever, I'm, I'm yours, Lord. And the Lord didn't have to, but the Lord had the great fish spew him up on the shore. And he went to Nineveh and he spent three days, the city was so big, that he spent three days going around uh, the city of Nineveh telling the people uh, about God's judgment that was coming upon them if they didn't repent. Well, guess what happened? They repented. And Jonah got upset with that. He, he thought God was going to bring fire and brimstone down on him. God, I want to see you strike them dead. That's why he went up on the hill to look at them and, and see what was going to happen. But they repented and turned to God. And because of that, God relented and did not bring the judgment upon them at that time. Well, good king dies off the scene, and what happens? Many times you see this throughout the Old Testament. A good king comes up, he leads them back to God, he dies, and they begin to disperse and go back to worshiping idols and, and things. And so you'll see that over and over and over. Well, that's what happens here. When that king dies, it's about 100 years later, they've gone, and typically, you know, when we go back to sin, we go worse than we were before. And that's what happens here for the city of Nineveh. They're worse than they had ever been before. I mean, they had been the enemies of the Jews. They had killed Jewish people uh, for no reason. And so now we're coming to chapter 3, and we're going to see the autopsy, an autopsy. So that's what chapter 3 is about. It's an autopsy uh, book here in this part. And so we understand, as you look at the book of Nahum, and this is one of the criticisms that comes sometimes from the Old Testament books, we look at God in the Old Testament, we see that's a God of judgment. But then look over here in the New Testament, and here's a God of love, who loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. It's the same God. Because every time you read in the Old Testament uh, about God's judgment and his justice, every prophet that you'll read, minor or major, you're going to hear that message. God's judgment, God's judgment, but you're always going to hear about God's hope and God's grace and God's mercy. Uh, you may need to look for it a little bit, but it's there. And, and we find that it is there uh, here in the book of Nahum. Well, God has been long-suffering. Because think about it. God could have stricken them down back when Jonah had preached to them and told them, here's what God's going to do. He had every right. He would have been justified to do it because of the wickedness and the evil in their hearts. But God is a long-suffering God. Uh, he, is, he is faithful and he is merciful. And he, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to salvation. And so we find here in Nahum that God is long-suffering, but there comes a time when his hand of judgment will fall if we don't repent. So now Nahum's going to examine the causes of the death of Nineveh and what's about to happen to them, and he's going to discover the internal reasons why the city of Nineveh fell. Now, Nahum gives three reasons why Nineveh deserved to be judged. The first is their ruthless bloodshed. So look at verse 1 down through verse 3 of chapter 3 in the book of Nahum. He says, woe, woe to the bloody city. Now, that's not what you want to be known as. We don't want to be known in Tullahoma as the bloody city. Uh, but he says, woe to the bloody city. Nineveh was that. All full of lies and plunder. To end, no end to the prey. The crack of the whip and rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot, horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, host of slain, heaps of corpses. Now, when I think of that, I think about the Holocaust and what happened, heaps of corpses. Dead bodies without end, the scripture says there. They stumble over the bodies. So the picture here is that the Assyrians, they were, they were clever diplomats who lied to the other nations and then broke their promises and destroyed them. Uh, they slaughtered people without regard of, of whatever age they were, whether they were male or female, and they stacked up corpses like lumber as a warning to anybody who would oppose them. Uh, the shedding of innocent blood is a serious sin that, that God notes and remembers and judges. So the first reason they are going to fall is because of their fierceness that we see there in verse 1. Uh, 
Nineveh was a city of blood. It's not just a city of blood. It's full of lies. It's full of robbery. They used to deceit as a means of diplomacy. If you think back to, to Pearl Harbor and Memorial Day, at the very beginning of that invasion, as it was being planned and was getting underway, there were diplomats from Japan who were in Washington, D.C., who were speaking lies and full of deceit. That's the picture of what we see here that was going on with Nineveh. Uh, they're saying, oh, oh we're going to be peaceful, while all the time behind the scenes over here, they're planning an attack on all the, other, on all the people that they're telling this to. That, oh, we're going to be peaceful. Well, verse 3 talks about how inhumane Nineveh was. I mean, these were some of the cruelest rulers in the history of the world, and they have piled corpse upon corpse upon corpse, dead person upon dead person, dead bodies and skulls and skeletons everywhere. And so that is one of the reasons they are going to be judged because of the fierceness of these people. That's why God is judging them. But we also see that it's because of their idolatry is because of their idolatry. Notice verse 4 down through verse 7. So it says, And all for the countless whorings of the prostitutes, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and peoples with her charms, behold, I am against you, God says, declares the Lord of hosts. I will lift up your skirts over your face. I will make nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. And then he says, I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. All who look at you will shrink from you and say, Wasted is Nineveh. Who will grieve for her? Where shall I seek comforters for you? Because you've been some of the ruthless people that there ever was. So we see the filth of the place there uh, in verse 4. There's prostitution everywhere. There's uh, the Ninevites, uh, one of their favorite gods of the Ninevites was the goddess Ishtar. Uh, the goddess Ishtar was a, a, a god of sexual passion, a goddess of fertility, uh, a goddess of war. Uh, and, and these people, they worship these kinds of godless beings and it, and it all involved witchcraft and it involved prostitution. Uh, and they were deeply involved in the occult. We see that even today in our own nation, people who are involved in the occult, even in just little ways. I mean, you see people who dabble with Ouija boards. You see people who, are, who, who look to horoscopes uh, to, to see what they're supposed to do that day. Uh, we have psychics that you can pick up the phone or you can even talk to them on social media uh, to, to try to get your fortune told in the stars. But let me tell you this. You're not going to find your future in the stars. You're going to find your future in the scriptures. And that's the answer. It's what God has to say in his word that matters most. And yet, here were people filled with, with the occult. And God says, I'm going to bring you down. And then we see that autopsy, the, the, the picking apart to show who they really are. Verse 6, he says, I'll throw filth at you and treat contempt and make you a spectacle. All who, will look, who look at you will shrink from you and say, wasted is Nineveh. Uh, you're a waste pile. Uh, he says, I'm going to make you vile. I'm going to set you as a gazing stock. Uh, you're going to be like a prostitute on exhibit. So these images that Nahum is giving about what's coming for Nineveh uh, are some awesome passages, but it's a picture of the death of Nineveh, the corruption on the inside, what caused them to be judged in this way because of their idolatry, because of their shedding uh, of innocent blood, and then also because of their pride and their self-confidence that we see in verse 8 down through verse 19. So this is a closing paragraph that we see here, and Nahum uses a number of images to show the Assyrians uh, their weakness and to assure them you are going to be defeated. Judgment is coming. Uh, and so let's just read down uh, through these verses. We'll look at verse 8 down through verse 11 to start with. So he's speaking to Nineveh and he says, are you better than thieves that sat by the Nile with water around her, her rampart, a sea, and water her wall? Cush was her strength. Egypt too, and that without limit, put, and the Libyans were her helpers. 
Yet she came, became an exile. She went into captivity. Her infants were dashed in pieces at the head of every street. For her honored men lost were uh, cast, and all her great men were bound in chains. You also will be drunken, and you will go into hiding. You will seek a refuge from the enemy. So when you go back and you look at what happened in history uh, that we have in the extra biblical, the outside the Bible uh, resources, uh, we find that the, the defeat of the, the Egyptian city of Thebes, uh, or no, no Ammon, uh, by the Assyrians in 663 really happened. Uh, if you visit Karnak or Luxor in Upper Egypt, you'll be at the site of ancient Thebes. Uh, the capital city uh, of Upper Egypt uh, was sure it was safe from any invader. If you go back and read what we've studied already in chapter 1 and chapter 2, they thought, oh, we're impenetrable. Nothing can happen to us. They thought they were safe from any invader, and yet it went down in defeat before Assyria. So Assyria is the ones who conquered Thebes. And so like Nineveh, Thebes had been situated by the water, by Nile, by the Nile. If you remember, Nineveh is situated uh, by the Euphrates. And so the city fell just the same. It was supposed to be a defense. The part of the river right by the, the city wall there was to partly be a defense, kind of like when you see the, the old pictures of a moat around a castle. That was kind of what it was to be, to keep an enemy from getting in as quick. Uh, but yet, that couldn't protect them. Uh, thieves had many allies, uh, but they couldn't, protect, they couldn't protect her. So what Assyria did to the people of Thebes, he says, that's going to be done in turn to you. That reminds me of what the New Testament says, we reap what we sow. And that's exactly what's happening to Assyria here, to Nineveh, the capital city, is they are going to reap what they sowed when they destroyed Thebes and the way they destroyed thieves is going to be done to them. Their children are going to be dashed to pieces like they did to the children of thieves. The leaders are going to become slaves. The people are going to become exiles. And now argues Nahum, if this happened to thieves, why couldn't it happen to Nineveh? And the question for us tonight, if it could happen to thieves and it can happen to Nineveh, who's to say it couldn't happen to us? also. So their pride and their self-confidence would be totally destroyed as we're going to find out that the Medes and the Babylonians are going to come and capture Assyria uh, and Nineveh in particular. Nineveh was going to drink the cup of God's wrath and, and become drunk as verse 11 is talking about there. You're going to become drunken. They thought they were impregnable. They, were, they couldn't be defeated. Verse 12, all your fortresses are like fig trees with first ripe figs. If shaken, they fall into the mouth of the eater. And, and what he's saying there, uh, the, he's saying the victory is going to be so easy. It's going to like you can go over to a fig tree and you can just shake it and all the figs are going to fall off right into the enemy's mouth. It's easy pickings is essentially what he's saying here. He's saying you're so ripe for judgment, it's going to be like a man eating figs they are just going to fall right off the tree into their mouth. And then he mocks their attempts. He's saying you can try to defend yourself all you want. The judgment is coming upon you. Verse 13, he says, Behold, look at your troops. You may trust in your troops, but he says your troops are women in your midst. The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has devoured your bars. Draw water for the siege. Strengthen your forts. Go into the clay. Tread the mortar. Take hold of the brick mold. He's saying you can do all of this, but it's still going to happen. Why? Because the ferocious Assyrian soldiers are going to be drained of their strength, they're going to be like weaklings, weak, afraid, unable to meet the enemy, as verse 13 and 14 is talking about there. They wouldn't be able to bar the gates and stop the enemy uh, from, from setting fire to them, uh, nor are they going to be able to repair the walls uh, or carry water to put out the fires. It's just going to happen so fast, poof, it's going to be destroyed. And then the next image comes in verse 15 uh, of insects. Notice he says, there will, there will the fire devour you, the sword will cut you off, it will devour you like the locusts. 
multiply yourselves like the locust, multiply like the grasshopper. Uh, you increased your merchants more than the stars of the heaven. The locust spread its wings and flies away. Your princes are like grasshoppers. Your scribes like clouds of locusts settling on the fences in a day of cold. When the sun rises, they fly away. No one knows where they are. Now, anytime you read about locusts in the Bible, we've always seen this as we've gone through the, the Old Testament, even the New Testament. Locusts are a picture of judgment. I mean, think about locusts today. What do they do? All they do is destroy, devastate crops, uh, devastate things. And so he's saying that's what's going to happen to you. It's going to be like a plague of grasshoppers or, or locusts that's going to wipe everything out. The Babylonian merchants, uh, they were like locusts when you read some of the other uh, prophets who spoke about the Babylonians. They collected all the treasure they could find. But the Assyrian leaders, they were like locusts that go to sleep on the wall on a cold day. And when the sun comes up, they feel the heat, they fly away. They're not going to be able to take the heat, so they're going to have to get out of the kitchen. So the king and his council are going to be, they're overconfident. They're like locusts sleeping on the wall, but when the evasion occurred, they flew off to a safe place. And so Assyria was like a scattered flock. Uh, with sleeping shepherds, as verse 18 says. Your shepherds are asleep, O king of Assyria. Your nobles slumber. Your people are scattered on the mountains with none to gather them. And then look at this last verse in verse 19. He says, there is no easing your hurt. As much as you want to, to be relieved from this, there's nothing that's going to relieve you. It's too late. They had gone too far. He says, all who hear the news about you clap their hands over you, for upon whom has not come your unceasing evil. Your unceasing evil came upon so many, it's going to come upon you just the same. Uh, now, if you read your King James Version there, it says, hear the bruit. Uh, that's an old English word that means news, and that's why it's translated here in the English Standard Version as news. All you who hear the report, hear the news. All you who get the story, uh, you'll get the story of your fate. And, and when they hear that, they say that Nineveh is going to clap their hands over you. When the word gets out that Nineveh's fallen, the Bible says that the nations of the world are going to clap their hands. You know, sometimes uh, what the earth rejoices about is not what heaven rejoices about. Sometimes what the earth mourns about is not what heaven mourns about. So we've seen these three chapters. So what is the lesson of Nahum? How does this apply to us? Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to one other book in the Bible, the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Find the book of Revelation, chapter 18. In chapter 18, verse 17, down through verse 20 as we close. So I want to show you a couple of interesting verses here because in this chapter you have another picture of judgment, that final judgment when God judges uh, indeed the nations of the world, the godless of the world, uh, and, and injustice is finally made right. When Babel, old Babylon falls, and so if you read the book of Revelation, you'll hear the word Babylon mentioned there also again. So it's the same emphasis there of the old, the old Babylon that rose up. When old Babylon falls in Revelation 18, we're told in verse 17 and through verse 18, it says, For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. So in the end times, when the judgment comes upon uh, the, the godless of the society, it's going to happen instantly. It's going to happen within a single hour. He's referring back to what happened here that Nahum was prophesying about uh, in the Old Testament. He says, And all the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all whose trade is on the sea stood afar off, and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning, What city was like the great city? And he's talking about Babylon. It's all going to come crashing down just like Nineveh. In verse 19 of Revelation 18, it says, And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city, talking about Babylon there, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. And then it repeats it, For in a single hour she has been laid to waste. On earth there is no mourning. But there's something very different going on in heaven. Because look at what verse 20 says. It says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you 
against her. You know, sometimes we go through life and we wonder, when are the wicked ever going to be punished? It seems like they keep getting away with things over and over and over again, with sin over and over. God says judgment will come. Justice will be done. And when justice is done, heaven rejoices. Heaven says God's will be done. So what's the message for us? Number one, God's word is going to come true. If God says it in the Bible, you can mark it down. It's going to happen. You can deny it. You can ignore it. You can choose not to believe it all you want. That was the people of Nineveh. They didn't want to believe the message of Nahum. But God said it's going to happen. If God says it in his word, it's going to come true. The second thing for us to learn from Nahum is that sooner or later, God's justice will prevail. And you can count on that also. And then the third message is this. It doesn't matter what kind of trouble that you're going through. It doesn't matter how things may seem in your life to be so unjust and not being corrected. Uh, it may not seem that way to you. Sooner or later, God is going to do the right thing and make the right thing prevail. He's going to judge the godless. And if you doubt that, try to find Nineveh today. It happened to Nineveh, it will happen again. That's why you want to draw close to the Lord, to be in his grace, to be in his presence, to be a part of his family, because when God says enough, that's it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful book of only three little chapters, but what a prevalent message for us today. So, Father, I pray that we will realize that no matter what the struggles are we are going through, you are with us and you will see us through to the very end if we trust in you, if we draw close to you. So lead us, Lord. Guide us. Lord, keep us from going to the right or to the left, but to keep our focus upon you, to stay in your word, to grow in your word, uh, to come closer to you. And Father, I pray that as we do that, as we spend time in prayer, Lord, may you bless us and may we be a witness to the world around us because we know, God, that you are long-suffering, that you don't want any to perish, that you want all to come to salvation. And so, Father, I pray that's what we as the church, we as believers will be about, sharing the good news of the gospel with those around us and the opportunities that we have in our, in our lives. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that if we're here and we know friends, maybe we're here tonight, maybe we're watching online, and we don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior, may we call out to you, and may we seek your forgiveness, repent of our sin, and turn away from it and turn to follow you. And, Father, I pray that as we do that, may you bless us and use us in your kingdom work in the days ahead. Father, I pray that we'll learn, these message, learn from this message of the book of Nahum. Lord, that we would know that we need to be in your word, understanding what your word has to say so that we know what is coming, so that we know the things we should do, so that we know the things we shouldn't do. And so, Lord, that we, it will get, get, guide us and, and help us, Lord, to, to follow you in that path. Lord, you've told us that if we hide your word in our hearts, uh, that you will use it, Lord, to keep us from sin, that your word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, Father, I pray that we will be in your word and know your word. And then, Lord, I pray that we will realize, too, that, that justice will prevail. Uh, Lord, that we don't have to take uh, matters into our own hands. You've told us in your word that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So let us trust in you, Lord, and let you uh, bring whatever needs to happen uh, upon other people's uh, lives that may be bringing oppression upon us. And so, Father, we pray for your will to be done in that. So, Lord, draw us closer, help us to walk faithfully, and, Lord, we pray that we'll continue to keep this in our hearts from this message of the book of Nahum in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there online, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, thank you for being there, our, our phone live streaming individuals also. We'll be back Sunday morning, uh, 9.15 for Sunday school, so come and uh, join us for that if you can in person. And then uh, 10.30 we'll be back for worship. We'll have it online there too. And hopefully we'll have those website issues corrected uh, so that you can be able to download uh, the worship bulletin for this coming Sunday in the way you always have. But thank you for being with us. We'll see you this coming Sunday. You have a blessed week and stay safe. Thank you.